the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by Border Hawk News on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. On this beautiful Saturday, uh, make sure that I've got the correct date here, <laughs> Saturday, November the November 13th, 2021. Welcome to the show, my friends. It's a packed show as usual, and we want to thank, of course, our sponsor, uh, Border Hawk News, for uh, their support. Our program is packed. First of all, we've got, um, we, we did a uh, some interviews in San Angelo last Sunday. Uh, I was out there for an event, and I chatted with some folks. Uh, Ms. Coco Simpson, uh, Tom Green Commissioner Bill Ford, and Joe Hyde, and a uh, private citizen. And uh, I chatted with them about um, the hot issues of the day, uh, particularly in their community, the price of gasoline, uh, the price at the grocery stores, and, of course, the border. Uh, you'll hear from them. They've got uh, a lot to say. Then we've got my good friend uh, Dan Lyman. Dan is with Infowars in Europe, and I had to reach out to him and talk to him because in Europe there is a hot issue, a hot immigration problem that is that is going on right now that's completely being ignored by the mainstream media in, in the United States. Um, this uh, has to do with... Um, Efforts by uh, Belarus, a uh, dictatorship and friend of uh, of our enemies of um, of both uh, Russia as well as uh, the Middle Eastern uh, countries, um, they are really uh, ratcheting up their immigration invasion. That's the only thing that I can call it uh, in Poland uh, at the Belarus-Polish border. And you're going to hear directly from Dan as to the conflict that's developing there, man. And, and it, you know, it mirrors what uh, they're trying to do on our border. That's what's very, very interesting. Uh, then we also have Mr. John, uh, Zdrozny, who is, uh, with the America First Foundation. He's going to be chatting with us, uh, about the issue, uh, about the policies that are, that are just, uh, overwhelming, uh, our border, my friends, just outrageous policies. Uh, our final guest is Mr. Todd Benzman, a regular guest with us with the Center for Immigration Studies. And Todd is going to be giving us a real, real uh, hair-raising report about uh, what is going on uh, at uh, at the Panama border. I mean, this is the this is really, really serious, my friends. We need to figure out how the heck the uh, the Biden administration is going to protect our border, my friends, because these folks that are coming uh, in this latest caravan from Mexico, they are militants, they are looking for trouble, and they want a confrontation at our border, my friends. This is very, very serious. So Todd's going to be chatting with us about that. Uh, so without further ado, welcome to the show, my friends. Please uh, tell your uh, friends and family about our program. Uh, we hope that you will um, enjoy it. We hope that you will support it. Please uh, tell folks, um, call them up, tell them to uh, join our pro to to listen to our show. Uh, so, without further ado, let's uh, take a quick break, and then we'll be right back with our first guest, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from KLUP nine thirty AM radio, The Answer in San Antonio. 
Hi, folks. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. And today we are uh, in San Angelo, Texas, and uh, we're at an event, and I've decided that I'm going to check with some folks here uh, regarding what their thoughts are on the issues of uh, uh, gas prices, food prices, and, uh, and of course, the border. San Angelo is so lo- located uh, we- in West Texas, uh, in Central West Texas, not too far uh, from, uh, well, about 100 miles from the border. And uh, it's kind of a, a rural area compared to San Antonio and, and Dallas, of course. But I wanted to reach out to the, to the folks and find out what they're thinking regarding pri- gas prices and food prices and, of course, the border. We're talking to Miss uh, Coco Simpson. Coco, tell us, what are your thoughts? Well, it has really put a dent in our family budget. My truck went from $75 to fill up to over $100 to fill up overnight. And I don't see any I don't see any stop or decrease in sight on that one, especially when President Biden's begging OPEC to produce more oil and crippling our local our local oil producers at the same time. We have plenty of oil here. We have plenty of resources here to be completely energy independent in our president, I hesitate to call him that, but our president has crippled us and is begging people to to help us when we have plenty of resources to help ourselves. Coco, uh, you also uh, have a family. I can see them. They're just sitting here with us. Um, what about price, the price of food and, and uh, you know, that kind of stuff? <laughs> Don't even get me started on the grocery bill. Um, we went from feeding our family for a week for about $150 a week to a little over $200 a week now. And that's just buying groceries from the grocery store. Um, our family meals went from a little over $40 a family meal going out to eat to where it's not uncommon for us to pay $60 or $70 for a meal. Um, just eating what we used to pay $40 for. It's hit us It's hit us in every aspect of our lives. Um, it's not just food. It's not just fuel. It's everything has, has just gone up. Um, I'm kind of worried about what Christmas is going to look like this year, to be real honest. Um, it might be a little skimpier than in years past just because the price of everything has gone up and the value of our dollar has gone down at the same time. And let me, I mean, again, since this is such a hot issue in Texas, what are your thoughts uh, or and have you guys been affected at all by the border crisis? Um, it hasn't really hit us so much yet. Um, yet, I, has, I, I know it's coming. Um, we have heard word that there are now, um, they've been shipping kids in. So I have a feeling it's going to hit our local ISD relatively soon. And it's not just Spanish-speaking kids that are coming here. Um, it's it's all different nationalities that we have to contend with, and um, and the kids are the ones caught in the middle of it. It's really just a sad it's it's just a sad situation all the way around. We've been speaking with uh, Ms. Coco Simpson, uh, Mrs. Coco Simpson, uh, here in San Angelo. Thank you very much, Coco. Thanks, George. It's a pleasure. Howdy, folks. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, and we're here in uh, San Angelo at an event, and uh, I've uh, got uh, Commissioner Bill Ford, who is um, a Tom Green County Commissioner for Precinct 4. I wanted to ask him uh, what the impact... Now, they're about 100, 120 miles away from the border. I wanted to ask him what uh, the border crisis, what uh, impact that's had on them, if at all. Uh, Bill, tell us. Uh, how you doing? Welcome to Tom Green County. It's the impact is not something you see unless you're looking for it. But the we talked to law enforcement, you talked to my sheriff deputies, and talked to my uh, local uh, communities south of me in, in Sonora and El Dorado and Ozona and Rock Springs and Menard. Those they see it much more than we do. And but the for some reason somehow these immigrants are getting either past us or they're going east west by the time they get to Sutton County and Sonora they hit I-10 they either have transportation or they they're going to El Paso or going to Houston they're going east so one way or another we don't see them as bad here but when they come through here our law enforcement our jail is full we have a brand new jail that's full I can't say they're all from the border but it's full I mean it's over full 
and we have a, a big crime problem. We have a big meth problem. We see fentanyl coming through. We see a lot of this stuff, and and we have the gangs, and and we know they're being supplied by the cartel. We know that this stuff is a is a mess. It's and it's not going to get any better. And until they, we close the border. Now, uh, as a, as a lifelong resident of uh, Texas, have you ever seen it this bad? Never, never this bad. And I've been here. I'm almost 70 years old, and I've seen it. You know, I just can't believe what I saw at the border a couple months ago. Do you see any solution to this at this point? The wall. Simple as that. Give the guys the tools to control the traffic, the flow of the guys coming through the border. And if they don't have the – ten guys can't stop a hole that's 50 foot wide. You just – you've got to be able to have the means to, to stop it. And the border wall works. It works every time. And, and we're being given a, a, a bill of goods from Washington, and it's uh, it's sad. It's a sad thing for my kids and my grandkids. But we're going to fight. We're going to fight as hard. If, if you could talk to other county officials across the country, what would you tell them? To stand by, got our, have our back, because we need help. And we need, to, we need people in Washington to understand what we're seeing. It's, it's a fact. I mean, we're seeing it down here. You, you don't have to go very far. I live in a country, and we're always worried about what's coming across my fence. And I'm 100 miles away, but my neighbors to the south, daily, daily issues. And it gets, you know, it's, it's the fences are cut, the livestock gets out, the, you know, it's vandalism and theft and, you know, crime. It's, and it's going to get worse and worse and worse because it's, once you fill up Dallas, they're going to back up to here. We've been speaking with uh, Tom Green County uh, Commissioner, Precinct 4, uh, Bill Ford. Thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate your help. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador on KLUP 930 AM radio. And we've got uh, Joe Hyde, a citizen here in uh, San Angelo and Tom Green County, another one here at our, at our event. And I wanted to ask him about his thoughts about the border and uh, the local law enforcement uh, dealing with it, particularly in the jails. Well, you know, the, the border is, we've been down there a couple times uh, over the last two years. You know, remember, it, it exploded in, in May of, or April, May of 2019 under Trump. And that's when Trump came up with the uh, Remain in Mexico policy. And that solved it for the most part. We didn't hear anything about it until after the election. And then we have Joe Biden opening the thing back up. It's absolutely insane what they're doing because, well, I mean, our schools are packed. Uh, our tax rates are under duress, you know, for a property taxes. I don't even know if we're making it, making it up with any kind of sales tax revenue uh, because they're pretty much flat because of COVID. But here in Tom Green County, which like you talked to the Commissioner Ford earlier, you know, it's um, we're about three hours north of San Angelo by, by car and uh, our jail's full. And the thing about our jail is we spent $63 million building a brand new jail uh, two years ago. We finished constructing this thing two years ago. It's got, a, it's got 102 more beds than the old jail, right? And so the old jail is 449, the new one's uh, 552 or so. And uh, we last night, I think we had 602, 603 inmates in there. And what that means is our county has to pay other counties $65 a night to house our inmates. And so it's you know we're under duress under that. And you, we don't have any room to hold uh, the illegals, right? You know, and that eats into the budget of the uh, of the county. And and you're looking at you know you're going to look at uh, pressure to increase our taxes because of this. Um, and then let's not go into the school district. The school district is another issue because if these non-citizens start going, you know, start getting, we have 27 school districts in the Contra Valley, and in addition to uh, San Angelo ISD. Um, and, you know, San Angelo ISD is already, you know, busting the seams for, for students. And then it, and it packs the statewide taxpayers, like your audience is down there in San Antonio. You know, our, our school budget's halfway paid by the state, right? So we start adding more students who are not citizens of this country. Our state budget is going to be stressed. 
So we've got to do something about this. The Remain in Mexico policy, I heard that they were going to go back to it. What, what have you heard? That's that's what I, the last I heard. But um, just to have that thing wide open is so unfair to the citizens of Texas. If, uh, if you had your way and you wanted to talk to uh, county leaders uh, in San Angelo as well as citizens uh, all over the, the, the country and the state, what would you tell them? Well, the biggest thing is these county leaders and, you know, whether the city of San Angelo or the, our Tom Green County leaders, it's a bully pulpit. And we need to be talk, talking to people like you, George. We need to be talking to your audiences. And, and we need to be out there in front and saying this is what's impa- how it's impacting us. And it's coming to get you, too. You got it. We've been, we've been uh, speaking with uh, Ky- Joe Hyde, Joe Hyde uh, citizen here in San Angelo in Tom Green County. Thank you very much, Joe. Thank you, George. Appreciate it. Hi, folks. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism? Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk.News. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer here in San Antonio. And we've got uh, our very good friend, Mr. Dan Lineman, all the way from Europe uh, with InfoWars. And he, uh, I wanted to get him on to chat with us because um, there are some developments regarding migrations and immigration and, and border clashes going on in uh, in uh, Europe that seem to correlate with what we are going to be facing or we could be facing very quickly here in, here in Texas uh, and in the U.S. We've got this caravan from Central America, this latest one uh, led by this character, Ireno Mojica, and uh, they have made it very, very blunt that they are not going to be stopped at the border, that they are going to enter... Uh, they're not going to be stopped. They're going to enter uh, if uh, it takes uh, a clash, and uh, they've been clashing all along the, board, the their their route in in uh, Mexico. They have been uh, riots and uh, conflicts with um, uh, the the Mexican police. So uh, I wanted Dan to talk to us about uh, this uh, situation in, in Europe. Dan, thank you very very much. Welcome to the show. Uh, tell us about this situation in um, in Belarus and Poland. Great to be with you, George. Thank you always for the invitation. And you're certainly right to correlate the situation with the migrant caravan coming up through Mexico and what's going on here in Europe, as there are also migrant caravans involved here. Obviously, the, the logistics are slightly different, but they're very similar in many ways. So what we have here, I've been tracking this situation since it really started in the summertime. Uh, Basically, relations between the European Union and Belarus, which is technically on the European continent but lies outside of the European Union and would find itself much more closely aligned with Russia, is that the diplomatic relations have been deteriorating Uh, in recent years. Belarus is run by Alexander Lukashenko. He's been in power for roughly, roughly 20 years. He's basically considered a dictator by most standards, um, although I'm not sure he's all that much worse than the dictatorship in Brussels, but they are at odds, and uh, things really came to a head towards the end of the spring. Uh, Lukashenko basically vowed that he was going to turn up the heat on the European Union in response to sanctions that they had placed on Belarus, and said, basically, I'm going to flood the European Union with migrants and drugs. And from that time, he has certainly fulfilled on that vow. And the migration situation has really escalated. And uh, to give people a perspective, Belarus is surrounded by, basically by Ukraine and Russia. It doesn't really border any Middle Eastern countries in the classical sense. However, what they've done is they've opened up the airports to flights uh, in growing number from Iraq, Turkey, other parts of the Middle East, 
uh, even Syria now. They're opening flights in from Syria, which were suspended for a while for obvious reasons. And now, with the winter schedule, there are reportedly going to be at least 55 weekly flights coming in from these regions, landing in Minsk and bringing with them hundreds and thousands of migrants from these regions. And they are coming from all the way, as you can imagine, from Afghanistan, Pakistan. They're making their way towards these these regions and then being given uh, basically um, visas to travel to Belarus. And then the Belarusian government is actually moving them to the border of the European Union. Belarus is bordered by Latvia, Lithuania, and Poland in terms of the European Union countries. And at first, things really kicked up. In the summertime in Lithuania, they reported a huge spike in migrants coming in, uh, trying to enter from Belarus. Most of those migrants, of course, hail from the Middle East and Africa, one of them from Iraq. And so that situation flared up. And more recently, things have really gotten hot along the border with Poland, which is, uh, they share a pretty good-sized border with Belarus. And uh, different than some of these other European countries, uh, in contrast, Poland is, is very defensive of their borders, and they have put up so far a valiant effort along the border where now more than 10,000, well over 10,000 migrants are here, either there already or are making their way there as thousands more pour into Belarus with the aid of the Belarusian government. And what you have now is a standoff between Poland and thousands of migrants along the border, many of them, if not most, being military-aged males, a lot of them are violent, and they are also being backed by Belarusian authorities who are antagonizing at the border and providing some of these migrants with tools in order to sabotage the border fence that has been erected there. So it is a really tense situation. There are tens of thousands of troops deployed from both sides along that border as well. And so, as you can imagine, things are getting very spicy in recent days, and we've been monitoring the situation very closely. What is the what is the position, first of all, of uh, the UN Refugee Council or whatever they're called, uh, as well as NATO themselves? Uh, are they in any position to provide assistance to Poland? Uh, to protect its border or its sovereignty, as well as uh, to get these people to uh, uh, other places where they might be more welcomed? Well, what's interesting is the European Union, who is basically synonymous with the the UN and, and of course, NATO, they have actually condemned this whole thing. They have accused uh, Lukashenko of basically using migrants as weapons, uh, weaponizing the entire situation. It's interesting that they've taken this position because this, of course, has been going on for many years in Europe, and the EU has readily welcomed migrants when they are used as weapons in other scenarios. So this is really a geopolitical struggle. They, they of course, don't mind millions of migrants coming into the EU, but they don't want to see it done this way. Uh, So it's it's definitely creating quite a a political tension that is also growing in in addition to the obvious one on the ground. Uh, Poland is requesting assistance, and some countries are coming to their aid, but right now it is really a standoff. And another interesting thing that's going on, of course, is the uh, the Polish government has established basically an exclusion zone at that border where they're not allowing anyone from any of these NGOs that are responsible for ferrying migrants into Europe or members of the press into this exclusion zone because Poland realizes that once they allow activists and the left-wing globalist media to get on the ground in this area, they will begin to, of course, apply pressure to Poland to allow these migrants in because that's, uh, that's really what, uh, what always happens, and they will demonize the Polish government as being barbaric, or if there's any sort of violence or any sort of um, physical um, utilization of physical force against any of the migrants that are trying to force their way in, then the Polish government will be demonized in that regard. What's also interesting is that most of these migrants admit they have no intention of staying in Poland because they know they're not welcome there, they're not going to get the kind of handouts that they would get in other countries, and when they're asked where they really want to go, they say Germany. So really what they're trying to do is push their way into Poland and continue on to Germany where they're far more welcome. Which is very, very, I mean, you bring up the issue of the of the, of the uh, news media because here in South Texas, we have seen repeatedly, um, particularly The Guardian, which is a British newspaper, uh, The Guardian really, really uh, attack any efforts by Texas uh, to uh, protect its border uh, by ranchers to protect their property. I mean, it, it's the media really, really helps 
to justify this uh, this uh, illegal uh, invasion. No, absolutely, and that's why Poland's decision to control the narrative to the extent that they can is so wise, and Belarus is using similar propaganda tactics that the left-wing media would use against Poland. Belarus is using them, and they're accusing the, the Polish authorities of being too strict, too mean to the migrants, saying that they're putting the migrants in a bad position, when in reality it's Belarusian troops that are actually pushing the migrants right up against the, the border, and they're not allowing them to turn back. There are reports that uh, when migrants do try to turn back, they're either physically returned to the border region, shots have been fired in the air, I have heard, just in order to scare them back to the region. And there are also reports that the Belarusian troops are feeding uh, methamphetamine pills, amphetamine pills to the uh, to many of the male migrants to, to get them really riled up as they push them towards conflict at the border there. And if you watch some of these videos from the border situation, you see a lot of aggressive males without really any um, any serious uh, weapons. They do have improvised weapons. They use stones and logs and knives at times. But they, they seem ready to do battle with fully armed troops on the other side. So you can imagine either they have a, a death wish or they really think that they won't be cracked down on or potentially these uh, rumors about them being fed drugs are true. Wow, that's incredible. Dan, tell the folks where they can follow you and where they can read read more of your articles and follow what's going on in Europe and in other places. Sure, we're always tracking immigration news all the time, 24-7 at borderhawk.news. You can go there every day and get a picture of what's going on in the immigration situation across the world. And you can find my work at europewars.com, infowars.com, and I am on Twitter at RealDanLyman. Excellent. Dan, thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us today and to give us uh, an update of what is happening uh, in Europe, which is very, very disturbing. Uh, given what is happening here in here in Texas as well. Always a pleasure, George. Thank you for having me. Once again, we've been speaking with our good friend Dan Lineman all the way from Europe uh, with InfoWars. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM radio here in beautiful San Antonio. And we've got uh, a guest with us who's been on before, um, Mr. Uh, John Sadrosky. And John, uh, John Sadrosny, excuse me. Uh, And John uh, used to be in the uh, Trump administration, but he is now uh, with the America First Policy Institute. And uh, he is specifically director of the Homeland Security and Immigration uh, uh, part of it. And uh, I wanted to reach out to him because I want to get his views uh, since he was in the Trump administration. And uh, we just don't seem, John, to be having an administration that that has America first in mind anymore. This bill that just passed, which included 13 Republicans that voted for it, uh, this, I mean, I I can't describe it any more than a a socialist bill, uh, as well as this uh, idea of payments, uh, reparations to illegal aliens that have been separated uh, at the border for crossing the border illegally. Ah, incredible. Uh, John, welcome to the show. Talk to us. Tell us Tell us your thoughts. Hey, George. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, I don't even know where to begin, sir. There's so much. Uh, that bill that passed on Friday, it's important for your listeners to know that it only passed because of 13 Republicans and Kevin McCarthy. Um, the reality is that the, the more liberal members, including the squad and a few others, refused to vote for it because of a, a fight they're having with House leadership. And so this bill was on the verge of not passing. And then Republicans do what they do best. They snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. And 13 House members uh, basically voted for amnesty. So it's important for everyone to understand that basically Kevin McCarthy supports amnesty and voted for amnesty by allowing these 13 members, some of whom, by the way, are in leadership, um, all of whom have committee assignments. And, uh, you know, I was talking with a friend earlier today, like the nicest thing you can say about McCarthy here is that he's an incompetent House leader because um, the Democrats don't have this problem. Their people don't just start wandering around like a like an open mic night at a comedy club, they do what leadership tells them to do. So you really have to come to two, one of two conclusions. Either McCarthy was okay with the amnesty vote by these 13 Republicans, or he can't control his caucus. Both of those raise com- concerns in the future for the Republican Party, I think. 
as a neutral observer about whether or not he should be speaker if the Republicans win control of the House. I'd also know for, for your audience that John Katko, the Republican who voted for the amnesty, is the ranking member on the House Committee on Homeland Security. That is an absolute joke, and it's a travesty. And if the Republicans have any chance of being taken seriously on immigration and homeland security, CATCO can't keep that spot in that committee assignment. Um, so you mentioned the payments to George. This is very important. So the Biden administration has basically revived a problem that we saw in the Obama administration referred to as sue and settle. Uh, basically, the Obama administration's Justice Department under Eric Holder um, would you know, call their friends and say, hey, you should sue us on this subject. And then when you sue us on this subject, we'll say you got us and we'll settle with you and give you a big chunk of money or we'll make some change that changes a policy result that would have taken longer if we'd done through legitimate means. And this is basically the same thing. They basically kabukied these payments um, by asking their buddies at the ACLU to sue them, and then they got the privilege to say, you've got us, and they basically are going to dish out all this money. Um, I think that the way this all unfolded just speaks volumes about how they know it's, a, it's an America last approach. Um, these They're proposing payments of $400,000 per person for people who tried to enter the country legally, legally or fraudulently by faking family units, but we're going to give them a payment. Um, and, you know, we've been talking for months about preventing, sending the right message, discouraging people from coming here illegally. Uh, a six-figure payout, uh, potentially up to seven figures, where you put family members together. Uh, I don't know what's a better incentive than for people to try and come here. You know, <laughs> not only do they get to break the laws, but then they get a check from Uncle Sam. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it's outrageous. I mean, it really is. Uh, let me, let me uh, get back to this bill, because amnesty, amnesty is constantly being discussed uh, by people who really, really, in my opinion, either don't care about illegal immigration or who uh, don't know anything about it. But, uh, you know, I was there in 1986 when they said that was going to be the last amnesty. And since that time, we have not only had amnesty. Well, they don't call them amnesties. They call them special stays and everything else. And, uh, you know, it has never stopped. It has never stopped, and it continues. And all it is, it, it does, it, it rewards illegal immigration. And here we're going to do this again, as well as we're going to give them money. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm flabbergasted. Yeah, everything that's happened, when you think of it in totality, George, the reality is all of these things together are just going to drive up the problem even further. Um, and amnesty is just something, I, I think of it this way, you know, when you spend 50 years aborting, Americans in the womb, you're short about 60 million voters. Uh, and so that's what we're seeing. If you want to know why the Democrat Party is so obsessed with amnesty, I think it's because they know demographically they needed to survive politically. Um, but I couldn't think of a more disastrous one-two punch against the American people than to provide an amnesty and then offer payouts for people who have their feelings hurt if they try and cross illegally. Um, like, you are basically inviting the entirety of the world to come here illegally. And we're seeing that, too. Like, it's not just the people who are being released into the country by the Border Patrol because they're being instructed by Mayorkas uh, to do so. Um, it's the people we don't catch. And I'm actually more concerned. I'm concerned about all of it. It's, the illegality is not okay regardless of who does it. And I, I don't think it's – I love when people say, oh, you know, they, they just – they don't mean any harm. They just want a better life. When your first point of contact with this country is an illegal act, I have no confidence you'll obey the other laws when the time comes. Um, but there's also this problem with the people we don't know about. And those are the people who are of tremendous concern. Like I know from talking with Border Patrol agents um, – there are a lot of guys who speak fluent Spanish. I mean, you know, many of them are third, fourth generation Mexican-American. They work in the Border Patrol. Uh, a lot of Border Patrol agents speak Spanish, and they start talking with these guys. They get about three sentence in, sentences in, and all of a sudden they're not speaking Spanish anymore. They're speaking Arabic. There is a tremendous gap in security in the way this border is being handled by this administration, and it has to be dealt with, and it's not being dealt with right now. Well, one of the concerns that I have <clears throat> right now is uh, I've been reading the Mexican dailies. And this caravan that's led by Ireno Mojica uh, is becoming increasingly violent. I mean, violent. They are confronting, they are uh, rioting, they are attacking uh, Mexican security forces all along their route. And uh, they have made it very clear that when they get to the Mexican border, to the U.S. border, rather, they are going to uh, not, they are not going to stop. Uh, you know, these people sound more like thugs and invaders, more like Attila the Hun than uh, migrant, than, than uh, simple passive migrants. No, you're, you're right, George. And um, it's, it, 
this is, I think, what happens when you are so weak on the border and you telegraph that to the known universe. It's, it's inevitable that you're going to get people who have violent, uh, malicious intentions. Um, and I, I, I have worried about this for a while. Um, you're emboldening some of the strongest, uh, most violent people in the hemisphere to come here. And we basically let them know that there's going to be no resistance. Um, I've had conversations with, I'm sure you have too, sir, like the local law enforcement along the border. You know, they've wanted for a while to deal with some of these issues, um, turning people back, making it clear people can't enter. They've been worried about cartel violence. Um, in other words, if they send people back, or the cartel is going to start shooting at the local law enforcement. This is a whole different ball of wax. This is like a violent group marching through Mexico saying, we're coming to your border and there's nothing you can do to stop us. I don't, I don't know what to do about that. You know, hopefully the governors uh, have their national, uh, national guards ready to deal with it. Um, people who are shooting their way into the country, that just cannot be countenanced. It really, I mean, it, it really can't. I mean, it just, where is the defense of our country by people who are supposed to be, you know, the, the defenders of the country, the federal government? Uh, and, and not only are they going to shoot it, I mean, the people that have already gotten in have become ra- rather, are, are rather violent. I mean, we... We, we know that some criminals have been intercepted, but how many have not been intercepted? Right. We don't know. And we may never know. Uh, unfortunately, it's like that, oh, that story uh, from, uh, I think, a little over a week ago where uh, someone lied to the federal government about who they were. Big surprise. Uh, they pretended they were a child. Uh, and it turns out they were a 24-year-old from a foreign country, and they murdered someone in Florida. Um, you know, the, the reality is we actually saw, unfortunately, we saw quite a bit of this. We saw people pretending they were children. Um, they would approach the Border Patrol, and they'd say, I was, I'm a 17-year-old unaccompanied minor. Well, you know, they had a 5 o'clock shadow and tattoos all over the face, but the Border Patrol was terrified of, of just, like, dealing with it. So they would just hand them to the Office of Refugee Resettlement, which is part of Health and Human Services. And then you had MS-13 gang members sitting in these OR facilities recruiting, um, you know, three hots and a cot at taxpayer expense. They get released. They go into the community. And, you know, a few years later, they get indicted as part of a massive MS-13 indictment by the Department of Justice. And lo and behold, if we'd done our job, we could have prevented that murder or whatever the crime was because they were in our custody. Um, it's, it's, really, it's really a concern. It's only going to get worse, George. This, uh, I, I mean, do we see any, any light at the end of the tunnel as far as you're concerned? Uh, I, I'm not sure. I mean, within this administration, I don't. But beyond that, do you see any kind of light at the end of the tunnel for us? In this administration, no, George, I don't, unfortunately. It's like you said, um, the, the, this administration pretty much has control over the entire federal, entire federal apparatus, and I can't imagine they would have a change of heart. Just, they're, they're radicals, and they are charging at full force. The only silver lining I have for the short term is I think this is going to hopefully trigger a state sovereignty renaissance. Um, these border states in particular need to understand that help's not coming. I, I know we've... We've grown up in this environment where we think of some things as federal and some things as state. But when the federal government's failing at its core duties, the states don't get to shrug and say, oh, well, we'll just wait till 24. They have an obligation to provide. They have constitutional and legal obligations to provide for the safety and security of their citizens. That includes border wall. That includes border security. That includes heightened efforts to prevent the full factors that are controlled by state laws from existing, which will reduce the volume of people trying to come here because if they can't get goodies, they'll turn around. Um, all of these things are in the state's, the state's court right now. And if, if you're asking for one silver lining, I think that's probably the only silver lining, which is states need to understand they're in charge of their environments and they need to act accordingly. Yep. Buddy, tell the people about uh, the America First Policy Institute and, uh, and your work there. Well, thank you, George. I, so I'm the director of the Center for uh, Homeland Security and Immigration at the America First Policy Institute. Our website is americafirstpolicy.com. That's americafirstpolicy.com. And I work on immigration and homeland security with our team, but uh, we have uh, centers that cover everything from uh, national security to health care to election integrity. And we've got a really good team. And we're, we're basically trying to make the argument uh, that the policies we were part of uh, – are better solutions for the country. I think the Biden administration is making our job easy by showing a really sharp contrast. And uh, come on over and check us out at AmericanFirstPolicy.com. You got it. Thank you very, very much. Folks, we've been uh, speaking with our good friend, uh, John Sondrosny, uh from the America First Policy Institute. John, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you, George. Have a great day. You got it. Hi, folks. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador. 
Looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism? Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk.News. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador on KLUP 930 AM radio. The answer, and we've got our good friend, Mr. Todd Benzman from the uh, Center for Immigration Studies. Uh, Todd is a regular guest, and I really depend on him about what is going on uh, in central Mexico and in the border, the, the southern border of Mexico, because he's right on top of it. And uh, the latest that I hear, Todd... Uh, well, first of all, welcome to the show as usual, my friend. Um, I keep hearing, I've been reading in the uh, Mexican dailies about clashes between uh, the Mexican security forces and this caravan that's led by Ireno um, Mojica. And Mojica has stated, he has stated very bluntly that uh, they're ready to fight to get into the United States, which, I mean, to me, sounds like a tell of the Hun uh, or any other invader. But uh, what can you tell us? Are these, is this caravan uh, that violent? Well, one thing that you have to keep in mind, George, is that the there is a common narrative that is often conventionally uh, pervade about uh, immigrants coming in these caravans that they're poor and persecuted and very needy and that they're in deserving of a helping hand. But the reality on the ground is that uh, there are a great many who are violent and mean-spirited and uh, uh, of character that we would not want to uh, allow admittance into the country. Uh, and, and that goes on display when other countries try to contain the movement of these caravans. You'll see the younger uh, male adults move to the front in very large numbers. Uh, I'm not talking about just a few bad apples or a couple troublemakers, but hundreds of violent young men move to the front, sometimes they bring women and children with them, knowing that the Mexican National Guard or the Guatemalan police or whoever it is would not dare, kind of using them as human shields. And they're throwing rocks and bottles and um, uh, attacking uh, soldiers and police with sticks and bricks and conducting themselves in a way that is extremely violent and shows who they really are uh, that are on their way to the country. And the, the, the other thing that that shows us in li living color is that these people, a great many of them, are feeling entitled to American living in an American life and entry into America. And we don't want those people. We don't need those people. And those people uh, are the ones that we ought to be paying attention to because they're probably the most prone to committing crimes, all sorts of different crimes in the United States, something like what we saw in Florida recently uh, when a Honduran bashed a 46-year-old uh, father of five to death. Uh, you know, home invasion. It, it is really disturbing because uh, so many people. I recently spoke uh, at an event here in Texas, and um, a couple of the people that were there uh, disputed my interpretation of, of illegal immigration, and they portrayed they portrayed the uh, immigrants, as they call them, the migrants as uh, folks like um, Vito Corleone in the movie, the little kid in the movie Godfather 2, and, uh, uh, and, and uh, Barbara Streisand in Yentl. 
uh, very mild uh, immigrants landing at uh, at Ellis Island and coming across. I mean, it just seems like that is so really outrageously uh, misled. Yeah, I mean, it's not the total picture is the problem. And what Americans need is a total picture. They need to understand that when you allow mass migration like this, that you're going to get a mix of bad people with good people. The problem is is that you have no idea what you're getting because they're all strangers when they cross that border. And we wave them through by the hundreds of thousands. You're waving in guys like the Honduran who bashed in the skull of a father of four in Florida recently, and I could go on. I mean, we could, you could do 10 shows about the MS-13 gangsters that we let in. Uh, and by the way, that guy that the Honduran came in as a fake unaccompanied minor, he was 25 years old, not 16 like he claimed, and they just waved him through. Uh, and we've got a dead, a dead father of four over there in Florida. Uh, but the point, the point is, is that uh, you know, you need to look, the a country needs to look with an objective eye at the totality of the crowds that we're letting in and the character of the crowds. And you can see it in living color on YouTube in these videos of the clashes. Take a look at those videos and that's who's getting into the country. Wow. It, it uh, you know, if, if that's the case and if this is the reality, uh, particularly of of the uh, just naked violence that these people are committing uh, in this caravan. I mean, the other ones have been violent, but not like this one. Uh, what uh, what is the United States prepared to do at the border? I mean, if they come to the border, and if even we try to stop them, I mean, they're liable to uh, to riot and uh, and provoke uh, a, a a conflict. Well, we've seen this before at the border. We saw it in a couple of years ago when a caravan showed up in Tijuana across from San Diego and tried to force their way over violently, force their way over, and uh, CBP officers had to uh, gear up in riot gear and fire tear gas uh, at these folks because they were violent. Uh, we have seen repeatedly... Uh, uh, immigrants, illegal immigrants, try to force their way over bridges, international bridges, violently force their way over, chanting Biden, 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 that kind of thing. Uh, we've seen them bonsai rush uh, border patrol in huge groups just screaming, running pell-mell, attacking border patrol agents as they go. Uh, I talk to border patrol agents all the time, and I'll tell you a couple things that they tell me. The Cubans, particularly, when they cross over, are entitled and arrogant. And when Border Patrol tries to detain them, they fight. They attack Border Patrol with their fists or with sticks and rocks that they find on the ground. And uh, for some reason, Cuban young, Cuban adult males are like, "What? how dare you stop me? Uh, I'm going to attack you for stopping me. I belong here, I deserve to get in here, and you don't have the right to stop me. And they attack violently. I've had countless Border Patrol agents tell me about the Cubans, and a lot of the young Haitian men are the exact same way. They attack, they feel like they are entitled. Uh, recently, when Joe Biden uh, sent several thousand uh, Haitians back to the tarmac in Port-au-Prince for illegally crossing into Del Rio. He sent 2,500 or 3,000 all the way back. They attacked the pilots and the ICE agents who were on that flight refusing to get off, and they were violent about it. And when they got off onto the tarmac, there's video of this, they were throwing rocks and bottles at the plane, trying to damage the plane. Uh, that's who we're dealing with here. Uh, and one last thing, George, on that note is when, when the Haitians realized that they were being deported back to Port-au-Prince uh, in Del Rio, 
they were on the buses, they violently seized at least two buses, beat up the driver, took over the bus with violence. And, uh, you know, in one case, the uh, bus had to be, was commandeered and had to be chased down by uh, police and border patrol agents uh, and commanded and retaken. And in another case, the bus was, uh, you know, pulled over and they all just got out and ran into the country. It had to be rounded up. We don't know if we got them all. That's who we're really dealing with. That's incredible. That is, you know, that is frightening that we have an administration that is that is allowing these people to sneak in. Um, I mean, don't we have enough crime in the United States without uh, importing more? Yeah, what, well, what we're doing is we're importing a lot of crime. You, th this story out of Florida is outrageous, and it's just the beginning. And there's a lot more stories just like that uh, that happen in Florida, and we are going to be seeing a lot of dead Americans because of it, either through DUI crashes or uh, crime like this, uh, gang uh, crime, drug trafficking, you name it. We have just imported all of the world's criminals into the, in, imported all of the world's criminals uh, of every stripe into this country because they're strangers. We don't know what they did back in their home country. Right. We don't we, even check. We have no idea of, of, uh, of validating records because they don't keep any. Now, okay, so that's the criminal wave. What about the, what about the terrorists? <laughs> well, that's a whole other issue. I mean, the border is wide open. We have anywhere from uh, forty to 60,000 gotaways who never even get caught at the border. Uh, we have people coming in, as I uh, write in America's Covert Border Wars, from Yemen and Pakistan, Somalia, uh, Iraq, Syria, Iran, you name it, from all of those countries. They're coming right in with these Haitians, right alongside of these Central Americans, and they show up at the border with no identification, uh, say, my name is Daffy Duck, and uh, I declare asylum. And, you know, under this administration, you know, we just kind of wave those people through for a three-year-long backlog. Amazing. Uh, which the asylum uh, backlog has grown to now. Yeah. We need to we need to close out. Tell the folks tell the folks, Todd, where they can follow you and where they can read your book. That's right. America's Covert Border War is available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, anywhere online that books are sold. Uh, my Twitter is Benzman Todd, uh, my Twitter account, and I have a Getter account, T Benzman at Getter G T T R. Great uh, new platform. You got it. We've been speaking with our good friend Todd Benzman from the uh, Center for Immigration Studies. Uh, Todd, thank you very, very much as usual. Be safe, my man. Thank you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 